Two Friends, Two Murders contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Nobody in an atmosphere like this has any contact with violence or walks in any fear. Except who knows what hides in the private jungle beyond any respectable door. And welcome back to Two Friends, Two Murders. I'm Kylie. And I'm Aubrey. We missed you guys so much. Oh my gosh, it feels so good to be back. It does feel good. And we're back today with episode 45, which is going to be Witchcraft Murders. Yeah, I'm like nervous. I want to impress you guys. (laughs) It's been so long. (laughs) It's been so long. I didn't even know if I could work at the podcast system, but here we are. We made it. We did it. We did. It's like riding a bike. You never forget. And I wanted to give a cute little shout out to our newest and smallest fan, Naomi, who made an appearance in September. Aww. She's so cute. She's going to be a lifelong fan. She is for sure. Who knows? Maybe one day she'll join us. Probably not till she's older. Probably not for a bit. I don't know how, what, at what age, like, you're not a bad parent to introduce murder podcast (laughs) to your kid, but I don't know. I'll Google it. I'll Google it. And maybe this is something (laughs) that she'll take over with her friends one day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It'll be like a, a, what is it? Like a family business. Yeah. Because <laughs> listen, we're going to get old and we're not going to be able to do this anymore. Okay. <laughs> All oh, right, guys. So, funny. so today we're going to be talking about some witchcraft murders, which this is going to be a fun episode. I like it. Very cool. I'm sorry we couldn't get this to you guys right from Halloween, but as we said, I was kind of busy with some other <laughs> Stuff, but she had some things like to take care of. Spooky it is. And to kick things off, shall we start with a little history of witches? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, some of these facts were actually quite interesting. A lot of them I'm sure everyone knows just because witches have been around forever. Um, but let's see. Early witches were people who practiced witchcraft using magic spells and calling upon spirits for help or to bring about change. Most okay. witches were thought to be pagans doing the devil's work, though. So, many, however, were not. They were simply just natural healers or so-called wise women whose choice of profession was misunderstood. Right. Um, it's unclear, really, when the first witches came into history, but one of the earliest records of a witch is actually in the Bible, in the book of Samuel, thought to be okay. written between 931 B.C. and 721 B.C. So, a while. <laughs> yes. So, a long time. The first, yes. I always instantly think of, like, Salem witch Exactly. Trials. So do I. But, you know, they've been around since the beginning, since the cavemen. Even way before then. Yeah. Okay. So, it really obviously became popular and more known in Europe during the 1400s. So, with the Salem witch trials and everything yeah. like that. Uh, which, this fact, I did not know, but between the years 1500 and 1660, up to 80,000 suspected witches were actually put to death in Europe. Jesus Christ. 80,000 women. Isn't that, that crazy? Is ridiculous. Well, I guess it's not just women, it's everyone, but that's a big number. 
that is insane. Like, no, not all of them were like, I'm a witch. No, exactly. No. (laughs) And sadly, witch hunts were common. Most were accused were executed by burning at the stake or hanging. So it's not just like it was a simple death. So a lot of them were actually single women, widows, and other women on the margins of society were especially targeted. So I think that just like minding their own business, like bored, nosy ass neighbor comes along, (laughs) thinks she's a witch. Yep, and she's not. She's just trying to make some freaking herbs. Okay. Yeah, leave her alone, Jesus. And if you're really interested in how to become a witch, I found an article on how to become a witch, a beginner's guide. So let's go over a few, shall we? Okay, perfect. The first one says, obviously, you should know your ri- your risks. As we just covered, 80,000 women or people yeah. were murdered. So just know what comes with that. This says, make sure to choose your path. There's no shortage of type of witchcraft, meaning there's also no shortage of choices for an aspiring witch. Okay, cool. So there's different kinds. I won't go through all of them because, you know, we don't got time for that. But if you're interested, (laughs) there's a a handful. Uh, It says, learn the terminology, which I'm sure there's all sorts of books you can Google or get to learn on that. Yeah. One of them, the most popular, or one of the most popular, is black magic, which is a form of magic using used with dark, malevolent, and harmful intentions, which I'm Ooh, sure we will that's be covering. Like, like, like right off the bat, right? Yep. But then, again, like you said, there's all these other kinds that actually are considered witchcraft, which yep. is kind of cool in my opinion. Like, I've never really, like, looked into it, but... It sounds pretty cool. It does. And the next one says to stock up, which you'll need supplies like candles, oils, roots, herbs, yeah, spell books, yeah. potions, you know, cauldrons, all those things, crystal cauldrons. balls. <laughs> Gotta go to potions class, Professor Snape. Exactly, exactly. And last but not least, find a good coven. You know, you want to be in with the good peeps, right? Yes. That exactly. seems like that should rank higher on the priority list. Yep, exactly. And... Speaking of dark magic and covens, shall we cover some witchcraft murders? Absolutely. Really quick, though, what's your favorite witch movie? I don't know. That's a hard one because I feel like my one of my favorite scary movies is The Conjuring. And oh, the whole reason behind it is there was like a witch on the property involved with it. And like that's like the haunting is this old lady witch. The scene where she like jumps off the like um, dresser. In, oh like, yeah, the middle of the that yep. <laughs> that scares the shit out of me every time, even though I know it's coming. I know it, it's so scary. it's so scary. What about you? Uh, well, I didn't go to scary movie. My first thought was like Hocus Pocus or like Practical <laughs> Magic. I mean, yeah, that those work. <laughs> and then I was just thinking, I guess you could consider Harry Potter, oh. obviously a witchcraft one, and I, you guys all know that I love that shit. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if we're going that far back, for sure, Harry Potter. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's so there's so many more than you'd think of, but um, okay. Me and Kylie did see The Witch together in movie theaters, and we do not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie was such a trip. That was not what I expected. No. To so you can all. go ahead and just skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not as good as Practical Magic <laughs> no, or Focus No, absolutely so not. That now. Absolutely not. All right, guys. Uh, I yeah, think, let's do it. I think you're first, yep, right? I'm first. So my witchcraft murder, I'm talking about Saria Maria Aldret, a.k.a. La Madrina, which I means... I feel like that's a witchy name. It that is. Gives me, it like, means, it witch, means the godmother. Guy. Yes. 
And one of my favorite quotes when going through my uh, research was this guy said, student by day, witch at night. Nice. Yes. All right. So, Saria was born September 6th, 1964 in Matamoros, Mexico. She was born into a Roman Catholic family, so a very religious family. Mm-hmm. She went to high school in Brownsville, Texas, uh, while still living on the south of the border. So she crossed the border every day to go to school. She was a really smart girl. At the age of 21, she gained her resident alien status and actually attended Texas Southmost College. And she was going to college for physical education. Okay. Uh, she was known as a really good student, a really nice girl. But that kind of all started to change when she started to date a boy named Hilberto Salsa, who was her first serious relationship. Got it. Um. Just before she was about to start her junior year in July of 1997, she was actually introduced to a new man who would change her life forever. Not Hilberto? No, Hilberto was like, he was, some say that he was like a drug dealer and like she started to get into like hanging around different people. Uh Uh-huh. And so she started to change then, but what really changed her was, well, his name is Adolfo. Oh, all right. Okay. Yes. So one day on her way back from visiting her parents, she was almost ran over by a sports car driven by Aldofo Constanzo, who was a very handsome male model. Ooh, it's like a little rom-com meet and greet. Yes, exactly. Almost runs you over with his motorcycle. Yeah, exactly. She was instantly transfixed with this man. They both really liked each other. They started chatting and exchanged phone numbers. So that's one way to meet your lover. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Aldofo, a little background on him. He was born in Miami, Florida in 1962 to a Cuban immigrant family. His father ended up dying when he was really young, so his teenage mother raised him on her own. They were a Catholic family, but they secretly also were part of another Cuban religion called Santeria. So Santeria is a religion where they worship saints and where you make sacrifices to the saints. Okay. So Adolfo's mother had started to teach him about this new religion and ended up bringing him in to help her with the sacrifice of animals, which he ended up enjoying. Uh, okay. Here we go. Yes. His mother later decided to have him blessed by a sanitaria priest who told her that Adolfo possessed a strong sp- spiritual energy and was destined for great power. Wow, okay. Yes. By the time Adolfo was in his 20s, he was known to be a fortune teller with psychic abilities. So he's kind of known around town, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Despite his talents, his family did not have a lot of uh, money, and his mother actually turned into life of crime. So she would rob and shoplift stores, uh, and she believed because she had never been caught, it was because her son's powers was was protecting her from not getting caught. Uh, The life of theft was obviously not good enough for Adolfo, so he thought he was cut out for better things in life, so he decided to move to Mexico City to see what he could become. Yeah. There he became a male model and a practitioner of dark magic. So he started hanging around with actors, singers, politicians, and even some high authorities because they all believed in his abilities and, like, what he could do with his powers. Yeah. It didn't take long before his said powers got the attention of the Mexican cartel. So, they decided that Adolfo's magic could help the cartel get drugs across the border safely. So, they 
Adolfo was telling him that he could make sacrifices uh, for this cartel and their drugs would make it across safely and he would that's like how he would do his powers is with these sacrifices right wow so one way to make money off your powers right so obviously he started sacrificing smaller things like lambs cats you know Ugh, i hate it but then he began sacrificing things like zebras and lions because they held a higher power holy shit don't ask me where he got them (laughs) it's the cartel they can get anything yeah, okay. As he became more popular within this cartel, he started to gain a following or, say, a cult, right? His first recruit was Martin Quitona, who became part of his inner circle quickly. He helped Adolfo with all of his sacrifices and some other needs as well. Not long after Adolfo left his life of fame and modeling, he began his own Santeria cult. So he kind of left this life of fame to begin his own cult so that he can, like, do his own thing, his own stuff on the side. Gotcha. He became very rich through the uh, cartels paying him for his sacrifices to the point where he was buying all these fancy sports cars and fancy jewelry, which brought us to when he was out driving one of his fancy cars and when he met Saria. Oh, wow. Okay. The pair, again, they exchanged their phone numbers and they kicked off their relationship. Even though Saria was seeing another man, she started seeing Adolfo as well. Adolfo introduced Saria to his religion and to his powers, and she became obsessed with what he could do, right? Yeah. So, from here, their friendship quickly turned into more of a relationship, and this is when she ended things with her previous boyfriend. So, Saria became obsessed with his powers and his religion, so Adolfo decided to let her join his cult and to begin teaching her his ways. Saria moved into Adolfo's compound, and Sarah continued to cross the border to school every day. So she was still living her life as a going to school and things, but she, on the side, was with this cult learning these dark magic powers, right? Right. So uh, Adolfo was very proud of Saria and how quickly she became into this cult, like, learning everything. He decided to give her the high honor of the cult's La Madrina, or Godmother. That's where she got her name. She's, like, in her, like, late 20s, right? Early 30s. So, yeah. I think she's, like, they're both in their middle 20s or late 20s around this point. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, this is when Sarah becomes a different person. Even people at school are saying she just seems different. She's not paying attention to school as much. And that's just obviously because she's focusing on this cult more than she should. Right. Um, So, later on in life, March 14th, 1999... A group of students contacted the Gradsville Police Department to file a missing persons report. The students claimed that one of their classmates, Mark Kilroy, went missing across the border. So it was March. This is spring break, right? So they, yeah. a lot of students on this border, they'll actually cross to Mexico because alcohol is cheaper and you can get drugs. So uh, they... The police at first weren't too concerned just because, you know, students cross the border all the time and sometimes they get lost or they lose their phone, but they always usually come back, you know. Right. So uh, the police quickly became more concerned when they started explaining the situation a little bit more. So they said the night their friend went missing, they had all gone drinking across the border. They were all leaving to go back to their hotel, but they got separated. And this is when Mark went missing. 
So American authorities asked Mexican authorities to assist in finding more Mark because obviously it's across the border. The Mexican authorities are the ones who have to step in at this point. Mm-hmm. So witnesses later claimed that they saw two men in a truck grab Mark and try to put him in his vehicle. But Mark was able to get away. But another vehicle was right behind them and was able to grab Mark and throw him into their car. Okay. To police, this sounded like a typical drug cartel kidnapping, but the police were confused as to why they would want some random American student. Usually, cartel kidnappings are other cartel members or high-power right. yeah, people, it's right? like someone interfering with their thing. Yep, it's like exactly. random dude partying. So, later on, authorities find out that Mark is actually part of a wealthy, powerful family in Houston, making authorities think that maybe he was kidnapped for a high ransom. Hmm. So... Authorities begin rounding up and questioning members of the cartel and their usual suspects, but after interrogating over 100 suspects, they were no closer to finding Mark. Okay. So, (laughs) they were beginning to think that they may never find Mark until a random traffic stop led them to Serfine Hernandez, who was the nephew to the drug lord. Cartel, whatever. Authorities arrest Sarfine, but Sarfine believed that he didn't have to worry about anything because he was protected by a higher power. Like, he kept telling the police officers, I don't have to tell you anything, or I'm not worried, I'm protected by this higher power, which he's not referencing the cartel, he's referencing something else, right? Yeah. So, while being interrogated by police, Sarfine sees a missing persons picture of Mark and mentions to police that he knows him, which made police believe cartel had something to do with this mark going missing so they decide it's time to go to what they call mataroma ranch which is known to be a hideout for the cartel so they're like this is most likely where he is gotcha when they arrived the ranch was completely abandoned and there was no sign of mark but they did find something else interesting they find a small shed in the back of the property Inside the shed is an iron cauldron, which is full of bones, animal parts, and insects, as well as a shrine where they find human hair, brains, teeth, and skulls. Ew. Ew, ew, ew. So, at this point, they recognize the cauldron and the symbols as a part of a dark cult called Palomayome. What? Yes. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they soon uh, I mean amazing pronunciation by the way I don't know if that's right that <laughs> so that's just a dark cult it's like a side part of the seraph or the religious cult that they were in that uh oh. the sacrifice where they gotcha. were making sacrifices the sanatoria this is like the dark side of it you okay. could say and what is it called again it's palo meome alright I'm with you now <laughs> so <laughs> They soon realize that this is obviously not a cartel hideout, but a cult compound. So, Mexican police go back to questioning Seraphine and the drug cartel leader to try to figure out how the cartel and this cult are linked together. They ask the cartel about their involvement in black magic, and they both readily admit that they practice palo meame for protection. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, police are like, okay, cool, but what has this to do with this American dude, Mark, right? Yeah. So, they tell police that they were ordered to kidnap Mark and bring him back to the cult compound. Police were obviously shocked as to who would be giving them the orders because these are high cult, or these are high people in the cartel who would be giving them any orders, right? Right, right. 
When they ask who it was, they say it was their high priestess, Saria Aldret, their godmother. Oh, snap. Yes. She got high in the ranks. Exactly. So they said they needed Mark for a dark magic ritual. The reason being is because with this ritual, it would protect the cartel and the drugs that are crossing the border. They continue to question Seraphine and soon find out that Adolfo and Saria were practicing Palomeome, the black magic, for the mm-hmm. protection of the cartel in exchange for money. The first item of business was a human sacrifice. But the first human sacrifice was not Mark, but a low-level member of another drug cartel. So okay. this is all the way back to the beginning. They first meet this cartel. They tell them they have to do a drug sacrifice, or a drug sacrifice, a human sacrifice. (laughs) They kill this other drug gang member, and Adolfo's spell was considered a success because their next drug shipment successfully made it over the border with no problem. So now they're like, this dude's the real thing, right? Man. Yes. That escalated from (laughs) dogs and, or cats and lambs to lions and zebras. All the way to people. Yep. So within the cartel, they became gods and they came to them for prayer and protection of their shipments. The drug cartel was getting a little cocky of what they could send, even to the point where they were going to send a large shipment of 800 kilos of marijuana. So to do this, they would obviously need someone very special to sacrifice. Adolfo saying a very large and intelligent brain is what he needed. All right. So. Okay. Their target was Mark because Saria went to school with him and knew that he was one of the smartest students in their college. So she was like, he's got a smart brain. Poor Mark, that sucks. (laughs) I know. They followed Mark to, uh, after he left the bar and kidnapped him, they drove him to the compound where they chained him to the ground Adolfo, at this point, comes in with a machete and cuts off Mark's head and removes his brain. Jesus. Yes. They put Mark's brain into a cauldron with the remaining potion items and let it simmer while Adolfo can take on the spirit of a saint. He then does his thing, uh, his little, whatever, prayer, sacrifice, doing his thing. They finish their black magic ritual and they consider it success because their shipment was successful. So. Damn. Adolfo's getting a little cocky. He knows there's no, he can do whatever he wants. But the problem is, at this point, they've been abducting homeless people or other drug members, people that don't bring a lot of attention to the police. But yeah. now they've kidnapped an American student. It's going to get out there. So yeah. at this point, Mark's disappearance has become international news. So Adolfo and Saria are starting to panic and decide to go into hiding. After all this information, police do a complete sweep of the three-and-a-half-acre compound, and what they find is quite interesting. So, obviously, they have the shed where they're doing all their rituals. They also find a shallow mass grave behind the shed where they found Mark's remains and another 16 victims. Holy shit! Yes. So... This story, and I don't know how I've never heard of it, it was like international news, like, even Oprah did a show on it. Like, it was a big deal. That's insane to have that that many victims. Holy hell. Yeah, exactly. So, on May 6th, while in Mexico City, they were conducting... So, at this point, they can't find Aldolfo and Saria because they're in hiding. 
Yeah. So on a random day in May, on May 6th, uh, Mexican police were conducting a search for a missing child when they heard shots coming from a nearby window. Little did they know that Adolfa and Soria and two other cult members were actually hiding close by. So Adolfo, he was super paranoid at this point. He's watching the news. He knows they're looking for him. He sees these police officers and think that they're there for him. So what does he do? He starts shooting out the window. Oh, my God. The cops are probably like, what the? (laughs) I know, right? So at this point, there's a shootout between police and Adolfo to the point where 200 police officers arrive and surround the building. The shootout lasted about two hours before Adolfo finally stopped shooting. This is when police raid the apartment that he was hiding in. They find one of the cult members and Saria hiding in the corner. Mm-hmm. They don't know where Adolfo is, so they do a little more searching. And they look inside the closet to find Adolfo and his closest follower, Martin Cantana, both shot dead laying in each other's arms. So Holy, sh- no way. Things are going to get a little weird, all right? Adolfo. Well, he just bounced on Saria. <laughs> yep. Like, oh exactly. My God. Okay. So Adolfo had decided that he didn't want to go to jail and the best thing for him was to die. But Whoa. he didn't want to go to the afterlife alone. But Saria thinking, oh, obviously I'm his lover. It's going to be me. He turns to Martin and asks him to go with him. So, man, that is ice cold to yes. Saria. <laughs> So at this point, she'd invested her whole life to Adolfo to come and find out that he was with another man this whole time. Whoa. So at this point, obviously, Saria was arrested along with the other cult followers. Uh, her trial began in 1994. Prosecutors. And she has to take the rap for yep. everything. I mean, I know she was a part of it, so obviously she should. But nope, like- she sure does. Damn, so burned her. Yep, prosecutors had testimonies from over a dozen cult members that proved that Saria was involved in all the crimes and all the human sacrifices. The defense, on the other hand, was saying that Saria had been brainwashed, bo- brainwashed by Adolfo and manipulated her since the beginning. Yeah. But, obviously, that was not enough for the jury, and in late 1994, they found Saria guilty on all charges, and she was sentenced to 62 years in prison. Um, Saria ended up telling a reporter from prison that she doesn't think the religion will ever end, uh, because there was a lot of people involved. They have found a temple in Monterey that isn't related to them, and that the religion is going to continue. Yeah. So... Between 1987 and 1989, police in Mexico City recorded about 74 unsolved ritual murders, and they believed that a big chunk of them all have to do with this cult that was started by Adolfo and Saria. But Saria... Wow, that's crazy. She's still in prison somewhere. If I couldn't even figure out where, I'm guessing somewhere in Mexico, since that's where the crimes were committed. Right. But she's all alone. Adolfo left with his lover. Him and Martin just peaced out. They did at the last second. How would you? You're like, cool, awesome. You're like, okay, I'm ready uh, to do this. Yeah. And he's like, actually. He's like, ooh, (laughs) actually, I'd rather leave with him. You're like, awesome. (laughs) Awesome. So glad. There you have it. That is crazy, though. I can't. It's so awful how many people they got. I know. And it's funny, too, because I'm wondering if a good chunk of them were all drug related because you can't find names on them. Right, yeah. So that's what I'm guessing is a lot of them were, they said a lot were homeless people, right? And then I'm guessing it was just a lot of drug-related cartel people, so. 
Right. I never had heard of it, though. So crazy. All right, lady, let's hear yours. Okay. I mean, here we go. (laughs) Just jumping right into it. Uh, My story is about 24-year-old Sydney Luth. Okay. Sydney was described as an outgoing girl who was close with her family and friends. She lived alone with her cat and worked at a hardware store in Lincoln, Nebraska. I like it. Um, on November 15th, 2017, Sydney was using the dating app Tinder. Oh boy. Yeah. Tinder. We missed those, the dating app era. We did. Luckily. Oh, well. well. (laughs) well, I'm going to tell you why it's okay that we missed it. Yeah. (laughs) Dating app Tinder and swiped right with a girl named Bailey. Some people say that her name on the app was also Audrey. Mm. And come to find out later that this girl had multiple accounts under different names Uh. because apparently she had warrants. So, like, she was trying to stay under the radar and just stay with different names. But anyway, so her and Sydney uh, match on Tinder and they go out on a date and they have a great time. Bailey says that they drove around and smoked weed and that was about it. But they uh, they really hit it off, so they decided to meet up the next day for date number two. All right. Um, Sydney had sent a picture of herself getting ready on Snapchat to a friend, as well as a picture to Bailey, because she was just, you know, like how you're stoked yeah. about a new date or something. Yeah. So she was, like, sending all this info to her friend, just getting excited for her date. And then she was also telling her friend that she hopes that this girl didn't have a boyfriend because she kept running into that issue on Tinder where it was, like, really a girl looking for, like, a threesome with yeah. her boyfriend. So she was really just hoping that this girl was just actually into her. Gotcha. Um, but that was the last time Sydney was ever heard from. Oh, no. So, Sydney didn't show up for work the next day, which was obviously a big red flag. She wasn't answering calls from family or friends. Her cat was left unfed at the apartment, and this oh, just no. wasn't like her. I know. So, her loved ones were freaking out. And the friend that, like, Sydney had sent all this in, like, was, talk- that yeah. was talking to you about the date or whatever and had sent the picture of Bailey to her, decides to make a Tinder account. And basically, she just kept swiping through people and going through profiles until she matched with Bailey. Gotcha. And then she got her phone number and everything, and then she gave this information to the police, letting them know that this was the last person that Sydney had any contact with. Listen, Kylie, if I ever go missing, I expect you to do this much research, all right? (laughs) No problem. Cool. Um, so when they, when the police try to get in contact with Bailey, um, it turns out that she did have a boyfriend. It was 50, I think he was 53 years old, named Aubrey Trail. Oh, hello. (laughs) Yeah. What's up, Aubrey? Aubrey. Um, (laughs) but so instead of talking to the police, they take off. Okay. Um, apparently they both had warrants for their arrest, for their arrest for other things and claim that's why they were laying low. Um, but they start posting these videos on social media saying that they have talked, like saying that they have talked to the police and they are being cooperative, basically saying they don't know why the police are saying like they can't get a hold of them or whatever, because they have given them information and they have been cooperative. And they, there were these two different videos that they posted over a few week time span. And I have a little clip of each one that I'm going to play for you real quick. Okay. So let me pull that up. Perfect. I pray for Sydney. I hope she's found soon. Um, 
sounds like she's on weed yeah she's on <laughs> the weed him, yeah him and her and like in the video she has like a hoodie on and like big glasses and he's like not even really in the frame like he, like half of the yeah. space is in the frame and he's like sitting in like the back seat or leaned super far back so it's kind of weird it's like why are you posting on social media if you're still like yeah. hiding yourself I don't know super weird yeah so, yeah, that's the first one. And then they posted this one as well. Oh, boy. For today, from the comments, uh, we have apparently murdered this lady. We have apparently put her into human trafficking and sold her. And not only did we do that, we used the money. We went to the casino that weekend and used the money that we sold her for. Bailey didn't drop her at a friend's house. She dropped her off at her drug dealer's house, Bailey's according to the comments you guys are making. Because uh, I've never made an excuse for anything I've done in my life. I do what I do. If I'm a thief, I'm a thief. But I mean, goddamn, I've never killed anyone in my life. I've never hurt a female in my life. So take that for whatever the hell it's worth. And oh yeah, thanks for the comment about I'm not very intelligent and uh, I'm stupid and all this. Appreciate that. Uh, but your opinion is your opinion. You know, think what you want. Do what you want. The officers in this investigation how the people who were scared to death. Uh, they don't understand. They didn't know that people like us were living next to them. What the hell is people like us? People with criminal histories? Did you check my criminal history? Forgery. Bad checks. Theft. That's it. I mean, not say I'm a nice guy. I'm a crook. I'm a thief. I've been all my life. Okay? But I'm not what you're trying to make me out to be. I'll be goddamned if I'm going to be standing here and be accused of doing something to someone you yeah, so hmm. the videos are longer, but it's basically them just rambling on and on like that. Well, they, I'm like, how's that going to help you? Guilty. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just saying, how does that help you in any way? Yeah, I don't know why, like, I swear we see this all the time in murder cases where, like, they publicly are just like, take my word for it, I would never do this. And yeah. It's like, no, one's going to take your word for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Like, no one is just going to be like, oh, okay. I oh, you're right. You now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, so at this point, the poli- uh, Aubrey and Bailey are the police's only lead of the case. And again, for obvious reasons, they ended up getting a search warrant to their apartment because the neighbors and the landlord had reported an overwhelming smell of bleach coming from their apartment. Hmm. Um, so police said that you could tell that there was bleach everywhere, like all over the floors, yeah. like up and down the wall, like they had scrubbed the entire apartment top to bottom with bleach and it just reached. So 
they're, you know, they're looking for these people to try and find them. Yeah. Then, so this is about 19 days now after Sydney has gone missing, they end up finding some of her remains. Okay. She had been dismembered into 14 pieces. Holy crap. Yeah, and her body was strewn about through a cornfield. Um, They were able to confirm the identity of Sydney because of a tattoo she had on one of her arms that said everything, it was like script, and it was everything will be wonderful someday, which just, like, broke my heart. That's so sad. Isn't that so sad? Yeah. I hate, oh, man. So they, and they also said that they could, they found 13 out of 14 of her body parts. There was, like, I think it said one of her, the other arm was missing or something Jeez. like that. But um, simultaneously, while they're recovering her body parts, uh, uh, Bailey and Aubrey had posted that last video on social media, and that's when the police were able to track them down and bring them into custody. Okay. So this is kind of where we start to learn a little more about Aubrey and Bailey. All they right. had been using Tinder to track down women and try to get them to join their coven. Okay. Um. Aubrey was actually the one that was talking to these girls. And then once they wanted to like talk on the phone or see the girl in person, that's when he would hand the account off to Bailey. Yeah, makes sense. Right. So, and then Aubrey claimed that he had a 12 witch harem, which I don't know what a harem is. Somebody, <laughs> I should have Googled it. I'm assuming it's just like a coven as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so he claimed that he had like a 12 witch harem and that he was the leader and um, Bailey was the queen witch. All right. And so Aubrey would rope these women in by giving them a place to stay, paying for presents, giving mm. them a weekly allowance. But his stipulations were that they had to perform sex acts with them, with him Shocker. and Bailey. They had to call him daddy. Oh, God. They had to walk around the apartment constantly naked. Okay. They had to visit the apartment at least twice a week. And they also had to check in with him every three hours. All right. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bailey had a notebook that had all of the girls' names listed with special powers written down next to them. Hmm. Um, Aubrey and Bailey claimed, uh, Aubrey and Bailey claimed that Aubrey was a vampire that could fly. Okay. And he could also read minds. Wow. Yeah. He has a lot of Yeah, he does. My goodness. And that the only way the girls could achieve some of the powers was by torturing and killing people. That's how, that's what would bring their powers. Right. Yeah. That's Mm. how you get powers. You apparently have to take in someone's last breath to obtain the powers and you would either get more powers or the powers would be stronger if you had tortured the person beforehand. Mm. Um, They also said that he threatened the girls if they tried to leave the coven and they would be murdered. So (laughs) one of the girls that... uh, that was in the covenant uh, or cult, you know, whatever you want to call it, testified that Aubrey and Bailey would whip her. Jeez. Uh, they also started going out on outings where they were looking for a girl to murder. So this girl's name was Ashley. They were looking for a girl that Ashley could murder so that she could obtain her witch powers. Hmm. Um, they also suggested that they she could kill another girl from the cult named Anna who had recently left as punishment. Ah. Um, and Ashley had been with Aubrey and Bailey about three months, but after these outings, as well as the couple pressuring her to steal antiques, which was like a con that Aubrey was doing on the side to try and get money. money. So they were trying to pressure her to steal all this stuff as well. And 
with Bailey saying that she was going to be the actually take control and that um, Ashley was going to get like 50 or 60 lashings for dis- disobeying them, then that's what pushed her to finally leave. <laughs> I've about time, lady. Yeah, so, so it finally hit her breaking point. <laughs> Um, and then that girl, Anna, who they had talked about murdering, she also testified in court that Aubrey and Bailey told her that she could make a million dollars by making a video of torturing and killing someone. Jeez. So, not like typical witchcraft, right? But this guy, this guy and girl are like pretending. Yeah, exactly. Or like kind of like using it as their way to To get their victims. Pull in all these girls. Yep. Exactly. So. Um, the evidence against the two in the murder of Sydney is overwhelming. There's even a video of Aubrey at a hardware store purchasing a hacksaw, and another video of him actually going into the hardware store where Sydney worked the same day that she went missing. And hmm. in the video, you can see him like look right at Sydney while she keeps walking. It's really creepy. Ew. Yeah, it's like eerie to see because she, you can tell she has like no idea. She's just like yeah, walking exactly. out, and then you can see him like look at her, and it's Ugh. like ugh. Um, so Aubrey, cl- what Aubrey claims is that he accidentally choked Sydney during a sex party hmm. and he only pleads guilty to, uh, in, what does it call it? It's like indecent removal of a human body oh, or desecration yeah, yeah. of a body or some, one of those. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing he pleads guilty to. He doesn't plead guilty to first degree murder or anything. Jeez. And here is something super crazy during his trial. Somehow he had smuggled in a razor blade, what? and well, yeah. And while someone else was testifying, he yells at the courtroom, "Bailey is innocent, and I curse you all!" Oh god! And then this mofo slashes <laughs> his own throat. Are you serious? I'm like not even kidding. Like, does that even sound real to you? That sounds like a psycho movie to oh, me. Oh, hundred percent. He doesn't die, so, like, I don't know how bad that he slashed his throat or whatever, but, like, they had to rush him to the hospital and oh stuff. My but, gosh. yeah, he just stood up in the middle and was like, I curse you all. How so, would you feel if you were in that courtroom? I'd be like, fuck, am I really cursed? <laughs> You're like, like awesome. So glad I had to show up for jury duty, and now I'm cursed. Gee, I know, right? <laughs> God. Um... So anyway, he was charged with first degree murder this year and actually oh, wow. coming up this December, we are going to find out if he is sentenced with the death penalty or life in prison. Hmm. Yeah. So we'll have to kind of watch out for that yeah, and see will. what happens. And then Bailey was also charged with first degree murders just a few weeks ago Jeez. and her lawyers are currently trying to contest it saying that uh, basically Aubrey controlled her and brainwashed yeah. her the typical defense yes exactly into doing everything <laughs> exactly. so again we'll just kind of have to wait and see how that turns out Jeez. but yeah so they okay, just that's my murder so not like super witchcrafty i know i mean it's enough a stretch, but like they were like i don't know maybe people in that cur- courtroom are cursed exactly now. well and so did they they just used her basically as a sacrifice um, they didn't even, like, really say what they, yeah. why they murdered her. It's probably because the they, trials that, are still going. The actual motive hasn't come out. The yeah. only thing that he's saying right now is that he accidentally choked her during, like, huh. a sex thing. Okay, but you still cut her up and threw her in a cornfield, so. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we'll definitely have to keep updated on that. For sure. I bet you many more details will come out after they're, Oh, like, absolutely. Actually, you know, the absolutely. longer court, the longer the stories go on, I feel like the more info you get. Yeah, exactly. Well, geez, there you guys have it. Witchcraft murders. 
witchcraft murders. Spooky. They are spooky. And a lot of them, when you're doing the research, obviously go back to the Salem witch trials, but they're still out there, folks. They're still still out there. Out there. And if you want to become a witch, you do you, but human sacrifice is not required. As we said in the earlier part of this episode, there's many avenues you can choose from. 100%. So maybe try some of those other ones out first. Exactly. And we're here for it as long as it's a healthy thing, you know, a healthy yeah, habit. We're here exactly. for it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Friends, Two Murders. Go follow us on Instagram at Two Friends, Two Murders Podcast. Episodes are available on both Apple Podcast and Buzzsprout. Don't forget to go leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via Instagram or email us at twofriends2murderspodcast at gmail.com.